0: Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Foothills, good morning. How we doing? Awesome. Awesome. Happy Labor Day weekend. If I haven't met you yet my name is Joseph I'm the campus pastor at our Pendleton campus yeah thank you hey and by the way would you guys join me in welcoming our Pendleton campus this morning yeah hey I love you guys over in P-Town we will see you next week all of you guys watching online we want to welcome you as well can we welcome our people watching online today as well yeah Man, it's so good to be here. It's Labor Day weekend, and I don't know about you, but I love when we get to this part of the season because there's something that happens. College football, anybody? Come on. Go Tar Heels last night. Sorry, Gamecocks. Uh, just had to put that out there. And also, I love that during this time, this is like the greatest time of the year, y'all. I mean, I have the opportunity opportunity to kill you know, Bambi's daddy. Okay. Just put that out there. Deer hunting season, football season. It doesn't get any better. Right. If you don't like deer meat, I'm sorry. Um, but man, it's a great time, but we are, I'm so glad to be here with you guys today. And, uh, I dropped my Bible over here. So let me go grab that. But Hey, while you were getting ready, go ahead and go in your Bible to James chapter five this morning, James chapter five. And, uh, let me ask you this question. Have you ever gone somewhere and there was a lot of people around at the time, like there's people all over, and even though there's a bunch of people there, you just kind of feel like you're out of place, like you don't really belong, even though there's a lot of people around you, you just kind of feel lonely. Has that ever happened to anybody? That happened to me one day in particular, and it was one day when I had to go to the bank of all places. And not just any bank, this was... El Banco de Occidente. This was a bank when I lived in Honduras with my family. We had just moved there to be missionaries and we were getting ready, you know, just trying to figure out. We didn't speak Spanish. We didn't, we didn't really understand the culture. But I realized there's something that also happens in other countries that happens in this country, that we use electricity, right? And one of the things that you have to do when you have electricity is you have to pay the bill, don't you? And I realized, man, I've got to pay my power bill, but I'm in another country, I don't know how to do that. So I'm asking my friend like, hey, how do I pay this power bill? And like, do I just go online? You know, what do I do? And, and many of you, you know, you pay your power bill. Maybe you send a check in the mail. Maybe you pay it online. Or, or if you're, you're like some people I know, you call up on the phone, right? And then you, you pay your bill on the phone, right? You, there's different ways you can do that. So I, I'm, I'm thinking it's one of these three ways. But my friend tells me, no, here we don't do any of that you've got to go to the bank to pay your power bill. I'm like, what? That's crazy. He's like, yeah, you've got to go to the bank and pay your power bill. So he says, you need to get the cash out. You need to get the bill and you need to go to the bank. So I, I arrived to the bank and I've got a picture of the bank here. This is the actual bank. My friend took this picture this week of El Banco de Occidente in Honduras. And when I arrived to the bank He didn't tell me that this was going to be an all-day affair, pretty much. Like, I got there, and there was probably 100 people in the line outside of this bank. And they only let in a few handful of people at the time, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, okay, I guess the thing to do is you get into the end of the line. I get in the end of the line, and everybody around me is speaking Spanish. I, nobody's talking to me. I'm not, I'm not talking to them because they're not going to understand me, right? So I'm standing there, and and finally, after seriously about two hours, like I get up to the door, and there's this armed guard with a shotgun, and I'm like, I don't know about you, but I'm not robbing a bank today, okay? I mean, the guy's got a shotgun, and I get to the door, and and he's making all these hand motions, and he's talking to me, and he's, he's, like, hey, tiene tu, tu telefono, uh, no no puede entrar con tu telefono. I'm like, what? He's saying, you can't enter with your telephone. And the only way he knew that, he starts motioning like this, like, telefono. I'm like, oh, Okay. You can't bring that in. So I have to go back to the car. It's like taking up. I have no idea. There's all these people around. Nobody can tell me, here's, here's what you do, Joseph. So finally, I, I get up to the garden, and then he he grabs this, you know, metal detector wand, and he swipes it over my whole body, and bleep, 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 bleep. Okay, and then he opens the door. And he I assume that means I can enter. So I, I walk in, and I'm finally I'm looking around. I'm, I'm just hoping, man, maybe there's like a sign that's, That's like in Spanish and in English, right? Like I could understand, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure my way out here and there's nothing. All the, everything's written in Spanish. I'm like, what do I do? So I'm just standing in the line and and I'm feeling so alone. I feel like I just don't belong here. And I look and I see there's a, a, a TV on the wall and I'm like, okay, well, I can't have my phone. I can't talk to anybody. There's a TV. Maybe I can, you know, look at the TV and watch what's on the TV and engage with the TV. And I realize that the TV is also in Spanish. This is, there's no, not even, even any subtitles. so I'm like, I, I don't know what they're saying at all and, and I'm just feeling so alone and all of a sudden I hear this lady and she starts saying she's talking to me she's saying, hey, come over here this is your line, I'm ready well, I don't know what she's saying and all of a sudden she finally just says hey, gringo I got that one, right? <laughs> I knew what she was talking about. Like, oh, I guess, uh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so I finally get up there and I pay my power bill. Man, it was a situation where there's all these people around, and I just felt like I didn't belong there. And maybe you've been, in a, you haven't been in a situation exactly like that, but you've probably been somewhere and experienced those same feelings where you just don't feel like you belong. Maybe you were at a birthday party or you were at a store or you were at a concert concert or something like that, but you had these feelings like you, you just didn't belong. And I really believe that all of us, we are trying to find our sense of belonging in this world. We're trying to find our sense of belonging in our lives. And I think about you know how we all want to be known by someone and we want to be known for something and we all want connectedness to a group of people, right? We, we want to find that sense of belonging so that we feel accepted, don't we? It's kind of like you've seen the movie Wizard of Oz where Dorothy, she leaves Kansas and she goes to Oz. And the whole time she's there in Oz, there's all these people around her. But in the middle of that, she's like, I I just don't belong here. And what does she say? There's no place like home. There's no place like home. She wants to go home because home is a place where she can find her sense of belonging. and, And maybe that's the same case for you. I mean, think about it. Your house is a place where you have belonging, isn't it? Like, it's your safe haven. It's where you can kick your feet up. It's where you eat. It's where, you know, you can say and, and do things and nobody cares. And they guess what? They have to deal with you, right? They have to deal with you. And the other thing is this, is, is maybe it's even the place where you can make inappropriate noises and, and nobody cares. Sir, sir, don't look at your wife. Don't look at your wife, okay? We all know she does it, all right? Um, but I'm aware for some of you that a, a sense of home... Maybe your, your true home is not, you know, you don't have that sense of belonging there. Maybe that's not the case for you and your home, but but my prayer for you as, as one of your pastors is that Foothills would be a place where you find that sense of belonging, where you can find that place that you call home. It's, it's kind of like the Cheers show, you know, where they say it's a place where everybody knows your name, right? And they're always glad you came, except we're not going to toss you a beer when you walk in the doors, okay? But... In fact, we, if we don't find a sense of belonging in this world somewhere, what I really believe is that it can lead to a sense of loneliness. And I read a study the other day that said that 36 of all Ameri- 36% of all Americans and, in fact, 61% of all young people and 51% of mothers with children feel a sense of serious loneliness. Loneliness. We're all longing and looking for a sense of belonging. You know, the past several weeks, we've been in a series in James called Trade School. And one of the things I love that Pastor Kevin and Pastor Greg has been teaching is the book of James is just this really practical book with some really practical lessons that really we can apply to our everyday life. And I love that. I love that we have some lessons that we can learn. And this, this week, we're going to look in James chapter 5. And as we're looking to find a sense of belonging in certain areas of our lives, I believe that we can learn some really great things from the book of James and what that looks like. Because I believe in our lives as we try to find a place to belong... We can choose to do one of two things. And we say this a lot here, even in our staff with our culture, is that we can go fast alone or we can go farther together. Helen Keller actually said these words, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much more. Today I want you to really see that together we are better together. We are so much better together. You guys know in a few weeks, September 17th, we as a church, as Foothills Church, at all locations, we're going to be launching our small groups for this fall. And I would encourage you to get in on that. You may be saying, you may be here this morning, you're like, hey, dude, time out, like, I'm not doing that. Like, I I know what those groups are about. I've been part of them before. You know, this is where I'm going to go. And and I don't want to go talk about my problems because, you know, I'm fine. And I don't want to talk about my marriage because I'm fine. And I don't want to talk about my kids because my kids are fine. Maybe those are some of the the ideas that you might have. And you might say, you know what? I get enough uh, from church on Sunday mornings. But, guys, what if joining a, a small group? By joining a small group that you realize that what happens here on Sunday morning could be that much better. As you enter into our church at any location, whether it's Seneca, whether it's Pendleton, whether it's the, the Espanol services, you joining a group could actually help make that experience even more enjoyable, even more applicable in your life, even more powerful in your life. And the lessons we're gonna learn from James, I really believe we'll see that we're better together. And even if it's your first time at Foothills today, or you've been here a while, or you've been part of a group for a while, you've never been part of a group, I pray that you realize that, hey, as a church, as a community, as a people, we are better together. Go with me to James chapter five. James chapter five, starting at verse seven, James writes these words. He says, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to a group of people, isn't he? He says, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Remember in in James' time, James was the brother of Jesus and Jesus had already gone back to heaven and they were spreading the good news of Jesus all around, but they were you know, enduring some trials and some hardships, and they were patiently awaiting Jesus's return. In fact, we're still waiting for Jesus to come back. I believe we're in a day that that Jesus has gone back to heaven, but I believe in the promise that he's going to come again. And we look at how he describes this time of waiting. When you go down to the next verse, he says this, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly Look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be what? Patient. You must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Then he gives us this encouragement as brothers and sisters, as a people of God together as a group. He says, don't grumble against each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the the door. James is telling us here that we don't have to grumble and have to complain towards each other, but we must unite together as we wait for God, as we wait on God. So the first thing I want you to understand this morning about being better together is this, is number one waiting is better together. Waiting is better together. If you guys haven't noticed this, we we don't live in in a I love to wait kind of society, do we? We don't like to wait. Let's be honest. You know, Amazon is our best friend, right? I mean, that truck's in your driveway almost every single day, maybe twice a day. And your new best friend, your greatest best friend, your BFF for life is Amazon same day delivery. Can I get a witness? Right? It's awesome. We don't like waiting. We want what we want right now. Think about this. Waiting is, is considered a disruption or a disturbance in our lives. You know, if you're sitting in a traffic jam and you're waiting, the thought is, man, I'm, I'm late to work. This is frustrating. You're in the Chick-fil-A drive-thru and, and those kids in the drive-thru are taking too long and road rage is hitting and you're ready to run that kid over with the iPad, right? We don't like waiting. You're at the doctor's office and you've been waiting. It takes most of your day or maybe you're waiting in the car line at school, waiting to pick up your kids or, or what about this? You're waiting at the DMV, right? Oh, you hear the groans everywhere? <laughs> Pendleton, are you guys groaning too? Waiting at the DMV is like one of the worst things ever. I mean, come on. The place smells bad, right? It's got this like serious smell. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It it sounds weird, but it kind of smells funny. And and people there, if you work at the DMV, I'm sorry, but just smile, okay? God loves you. It's okay. They don't always smile, and it's just completely boring. And you got your ticket and all those things. It's not a fun place to wait. But I've actually heard that the Seneca DMV is nicer than the Anderson DMV. So you guys in Seneca, y'all got that going for you. But our lives are full of waiting, isn't it? Think about this. What if in the middle of waiting, we had someone to wait with us? Think about this. You're in that traffic jam. You're in that car line. You're in that drive through. You're, you're waiting for your kids to get out of school. It would make that experience so much better because waiting is better together. So you might ask this question. So Joseph, what does this have to do with me? Like, what does this have to do with small groups? And I'm glad you asked. See, James says to us in, in this chapter, he says that, Hey, you need to be patient. The people of James he was writing to were facing a lot of trials and tribulations and difficulty through persecution. And it could have been easier for them to just start fussing and grumbling and complaining to each other. But James is telling them, he says, hey, don't grumble, don't complain, but take courage and Jesus return because it's near. His return was the hope that God will provide them with a reward for their patience as they wait for him. And guess what? We don't have to wait alone, do we? Because waiting is better together. Guys, when you're part of a small group, when you join a group of people and you have a situation in your life that you're waiting for, something you've been anticipating, wouldn't waiting for that situation be even better if you had a group of people to wait with? Think about it. Maybe you're waiting for a new job or you're waiting for that acceptance letter from the university or maybe you're waiting for that new baby to be born or that grandchild to be born or maybe you've got a friend who you know is battling addiction and you've been praying for them and all of those things, but what, if, what a better way for us to wait than to wait together with a group of people because waiting is better together. And then James goes on. Look at verse 10 in James 5. For examples of patience and suffering, he talks more about waiting. Patience and suffering, dear brothers, he's talking again to the group. Look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and in mercy. Guys, this morning, not only is waiting better together, but I really believe that as we wait and we're waiting together, suffering is better together. Suffering is better together. And listen, I understand we, we don't like to suffer, do we? Like no one's you know, excited about that. If I were to tell you, Hey, this, this coming Sunday coming up, we've got a a group for you and the group is on suffering and you're going to go to that group and it's going to be grueling. It's going to be painful. It's not going to be fun at all. You're just going to suffer the whole time. How many of y'all are like getting ready to sign up for that? Nobody, right? We, we don't like any of that. We don't like suffering. And suffering is awful because it leads to depression and anxiety and loneliness and heartache. But you know what's even worse than suffering? It's suffering alone. It's when you have to go through a situation and you suffer alone. And, and James mission mentions here about a man named Job who endured a lot of suffering. And the Bible even calls him a great man. And if you don't know this about Job, he was this wealthy man, like super wealthy. Y'all listen to some of this. He had 7,000 sheep. He had 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He had a bunch of servants. He was the richest man in the whole area. And I was reading the other day that if, if, what would we in our day and time equate Job's wealth to? If you were to say, what's, what's Job's net worth in our day and time? It would be about $56 million. He's a very wealthy man. I don't know about you, but if you said, hey, here's $56 million, like your life would be a lot different, right? $56 million. But he also had a large family. He had seven sons and three daughters. But here's what happened to Job. One day his, his sons and his daughters, they were there and... They were eating at his older brother's house, and one of the servants came to Job, and he said, hey, your oxen and your donkey and your servants, they'd all been killed, and I'm the only one to escape. Well, then while he was still talking, another one came. He said, hey, listen, I want you to know that a fire fell from the sky and burned up your sheep and also killed more of your servants, and I'm the only one to escape. And then while another... While he was still talking, another messenger came and told him that, hey, these guys came and stole your camels and killed more of your servants. And while he was even still talking, he said, hey, I, I came and escaped to tell you this. Another messenger came and told him, he said, hey, the house where your, your sons and daughters were eating at your older brother's place, the, this great wind came and knocked down the four corners of the house and it collapsed on them and they've all been killed too. And I'm the only one to escape. All in one day, Job endured great, great suffering. And in the book of Job, we can read more about how he endured all of this suffering. But the whole time, Job knew that, man, God never abandoned him. God had not left him. And I imagine if you and I were going through that type of situation. And we had to endure something like Job. I hope you never have to. But you were alone. There would be these feelings of hopelessness. There'd be these feelings of pain and anxiety and depression and the sense of why should I even continue? But what if the alternative was to know that there was a group of people in your life who are willing to get in the trenches with you and suffer with you, that might be able to experience or, or they may not you know, be able to experience or understand exactly what you're going through, but they would get in there with you and say, listen, as you hurt, I'm going to hurt. And as you go through this, this trial, I'm going to go through it with you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to care for you. And you would know these two things, that number one, God is with you. And I want you to know this this morning. If you're going through a trial, listen, God hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. He's right there with you the whole time. But others are with you as well. Suffering is better together. They'll love us. They'll cry with us. They'll support us. They'll care for us. And unfortunately, suffering in our life is inevitable, isn't it? It's going to happen. and, And maybe some of you are already going through some suffering right now. You've had the death of a loved one, or you know someone going through cancer treatment or some severe illness, or you've had a family member dealing with addiction. And I want you to know you don't have to suffer alone. When you join a small group here at Foothills, suffering is better together. And the last and greatest thing I think we can learn about being together is this, number three, is life is better together. Life is better together. James goes on in verse 16. He says these words, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results when you're in a small group one of the the greatest things that can happen is that even though we have all these burdens and even though we face all these trials and even though we struggle and even when we have sin in our lives the good thing is we don't have to go through those things in our life alone Because life is better together and sin, we know, separates us from God. It weighs us down. It's a weight that we're trying to carry. But there's something amazing. When we go through struggles and when there's sin in our life, we're able to say to someone, you're able to say to someone in that group, hey, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what keeps me up at night. Here's what's going on in my life. Here's what I've been carrying. And the cool thing is when we confess those sins one to another, the Bible says that it brings healing. And here's what I believe this morning is that confession is the key to the door that we can open to where we find our freedom. That confession that can happen through telling people, hey, here's what's happening in my life. I confess these things. And what, what, how do we find freedom? What are you finding freedom from? Freedom from our shame, freedom from our suffering, and freedom from our despair. And here's the thing you, don't have, you can walk in freedom. And, and, and that means that not that you're to ever not be faced with those things again, but the good thing is, hear me this morning is that you don't have to carry them alone. You don't have to carry them alone. When we confess one to another, life is better together. You know, here's here's what I believe a real small group looks like. I want to give you an explanation of what a small group looks like this morning. This is your small group. Like this this is the people that you're in community with, that you're in a group with we've got some different people in this group, right? I mean, you know, we've got the people who, you know, maybe they, they talk too much. Maybe they, they, they don't talk enough. The the person that knows a lot about the Bible, the person that doesn't know much about the Bible, the person that's, you know, a good cook, right? We have a group over in Pendleton. I, I tell people when they come to Next in Pendleton, we have a group that's called the seasoned adults, right? We don't We don't call them any other name that you know, describes that. But y'all, y'all know what I'm saying. But they're the seasoned adults. And I tell people, hey, if you want to go eat really good food, you go to seasoned adults. If you want to eat cereal, you go to young adults, okay? But, you know, we've got these groups and, and we all look different. We People in the group that look kind of funny, right? But, you, you know, you've got, you've got people in this group who, you know, there's all different things are happening here. And you, you know, you've got even the person in the group, like I said, they're, they're kind of a little bit strange, aren't they? Like, you know, they, they're just a little bit, let me just say, they're, they're just a little bit different, right? And, and here in the South, we just say, bless your heart, okay? Um, and if you say that, you can say whatever you want afterwards because uh, that's what we do. But anyways, you know, we, we just look at them and we say, bless their heart, right? But, but the thing is, you, you might say, well, I don't know who that strange person is in my group. And if you don't know who that is, that might be you right? Um, but here, here's the thing. This is a beautiful picture, guys, of how God doesn't use perfect people, but he uses broken people. And, and he takes these bo- broken people and they form this beautiful bond of doing life together and companionship and friendship together to do life together. And, and C.S. Lewis, he says this, the typical expression of opening friendship would be something like this. Listen to these words. What? you too, I thought I was the only one. That's what happens in a small group is when you're going through something and I'm going through something, we talk about it. And this one looks at this one and says, wait a minute, you too, I thought I was the only one. And there's a bond that happens inside of this group. And I believe what happens here on Sunday morning is awesome. But there's one thing I've, I've observed that learning happens in these rows, but growing happens in a circle. Growing happens in a circle because life is better together. And many of you may not know this or you may know this, but Pendleton, our Pendleton campus, and in fact our Seneca campus, both started much like this. It might have looked a little bit differently, but we've got a picture of of kind of our small group at the Pendleton campus. This picture is very special to me because this was the first time that a group of people in Pendleton gathered together at Mama Ray's in Pendleton and ate ice cream and did nothing but talk about, man, here's what the future could look like, but also, you know what we did? We connected with each other. We found common ground with each other. We talked about sports. We talked about our kids. We talked about life. We talked about struggles, all of these things. And we continued, and this group grew and grew and grew. And then eventually, it went into three different other groups. And now, this fall, we're going to have about five different small groups over in Pendleton. But the beautiful thing happens inside of these groups It's where life is better together and community happens. And, and it reminds me of... Acts chapter 2, in their early church, this is kind of what they did, right? They met in homes. They were together. It says this, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, right? That You could say they, they ate some food together and to sharing in meals. They gathered together. They taught, including the Lord's Supper, but also to prayer. There's some powerful things that happen inside of these groups. And and the beautiful thing is this. You you don't know where somebody's at inside of that group. You don't know what impact you're making inside of somebody's life in that group. A couple of weeks ago in Pendleton, we had something happen. We had a late baptism. And this lady, I want to show you a picture. This lady, Jill, she's been part of our group from the beginning, part of that core group. And God was working in her life. And she said, you know what? I want to go public for Jesus right now. And I was like, you sure you don't want to wait till September 17th? She said, no, I want to experience this right now with my family. There's a family that's made inside of a small group. And I believe this, that a small group is where biblical principles become personal. Biblical principles become personal. This morning, I have some friends that I want to show you the strength of a small group where's my friends at this morning as these guys are making their way out can y'all give them a hand i i said i said to pastor rod get me the best looking guys that you can find and this was all he found so um yeah it's great it's great but you see guys, here, here's what happens in a group. We've we've got these this group of people and these young people and we're trying to find this, this sense of belonging. We're looking for a place to call our, our own and, and life is better together. When we're together, and and here's the thing, y'all, is that we know what happens inside of this group is powerful, and it leads to life change. And you know one of the greatest things you find out, much like Jill, you find out that, man, I, I can find a sense of belonging in my small group, but I also find my sense of belonging in that I don't just belong to a group. I belong to Jesus, and I'm his, and I've been adopted by him, and I'm part of his family as well as part of the family of God. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes says this, two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but 2 Can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Listen, when we do life together in a small group, this doesn't really make sense to the world, does it? We've got all kind of different people in our group. We've got people with different backgrounds. We've got people with different financial statuses we've got people with different ages people that are from different states that have different kind of accents and all of these things are happening to us and what we don't understand is that everybody is looking at us and saying i you know how does this small group thing work this will never work in our society we're not meant to do life together we're not to live together you know we can't do all these things but what you find is this is that there's power when we unite together And the most amazing thing is this, is that when the wind blows and when things happen in your life, you say to this one, I've got you. I'm holding you up. I've got you covered. You're part of my family. When you join a small group, let me help you guys up. Y'all give these guys a hand. Let me read you the words of what one other man says that happens in a small group. He says this, it's in small groups that people can get close enough to know each other to care and share, to challenge and support, to confide and confess, to forgive and be forgiven, to laugh and weep together, to be accountable to each other, to watch over each other and grow together. Personal growth doesn't happen in isolation. It is the result of interactive relationships. Here's what he says is in conclusion. Small groups are God's gift to foster changes in character and spiritual growth. Listen, life is better together. We are better together. When you aren't doing life with people and you're not involved in a small group, you're missing out on the very purpose that Foothills Church was designed to be, but you're also missing out on the greater purpose that God designed his church to be. He designed us to live in community with each other. When you serve and when you're part of a group, you're part of a family. You become a family and you realize that, man, this, when I serve, this is not a job. This is a joy. Like, I want to do this. I get to do this. Waiting is better together. Suffering is better together. And life is better together. You know, this could be the one thing for you that's missing in your life. And what I challenge you this morning is this. Give it a shot. I mean, what do you have to lose? Small groups are a way of living out God's purpose, which is to be the church. Imagine this. If you were connected in a group. And I was connected in a group. And we're all connected in a group of people who express love and devotion to one another. And when all else fails, we know this, that someone's there for us. And that someone cares for us. We can find our sense of belonging. Life is better together. And I love how James ends this book. He says, verse 19, my dear brothers and sisters, one more time, he's talking to the group. If someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person. Listen to how cool this is. Save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of their sins. Bring about their forgiveness of their sins. When you join a small group, guys, the biggest thing is this, is that we have an opportunity to help more people find and follow Jesus. That's our opportunity. And ultimately helping them find their sense of belonging and freedom and their purpose in their life. James says these words one more time in verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You don't have to walk around carrying a burden all the time. You can know that you have people that want to go through life with you together. It says this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Confession is the key to the door that opens freedom in our lives. And you know, you may be here this morning, you say, man, I I don't have that freedom in my life. I don't don't know what that feels like. I want to encourage you with this. In Romans 10 and verse 9, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, we will be saved. There's a promise. So this morning at, here in Seneca in our Pendleton campus, I want to invite you to do just that if you've never done that, that you can ask Jesus to come into your life. You can experience the peace and freedom that he has for you. So would you bow your head and close your eyes? You could pray a prayer like this. Just say, dear Jesus, I need you. I want you to be part of my life. I'm tired of walking in bondage and my sin. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask you to be Lord of my life. I give my life to you, Jesus. Lord, help me find my sense of belonging in you. Lord, help me find my purpose. And help me live my life the rest of my days for you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, we want to celebrate with you. We want to pray for you. There's going to be some folks down front in just a few moments that would love to pray for you, give you a Bible, encourage you. But also at, at all of our campuses, here's what I want to say to you. For every single person. You may say, man, I, I'm not really connected yet. I, I I've been part of a group, or maybe you haven't been part of a group. Here's what I want to do. I want to ask that you would just pray that God gives you courage to take your next step, whether that's getting involved in a group or serving. But in two weeks, groups are starting. You could take that step, and it would be one of the greatest steps of your life. So would you, if you would, just for a moment, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I'd love to just pray for you. You say, hey, I want to take that next step and be part of a group. Give me courage, Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you just be completely honest at all of our campuses? You just slip your hand up and say, hey, that's me. Joseph, would you pray that God would give me courage to join a group? I see you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, give them courage, whoever it is, to take their next step, whether it's to be connected with you, connected through serving, or connected through a group. Help us to have courage, Jesus. Not be afraid, but make the greatest step of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.